Good morning, City Life. Good morning, City Lifers and visitors. Welcome to church. So grateful that you're here. It is, as always, my great honor to bring us the word. My name is Pedro Reese, and I'm lead pastor here at City Life. If I have not met you yet, I encourage you to hit that I'm new button below that we've already talked about because we want to connect with you. Like, let's, you and me, let's go get a cup of coffee. Let's go get a meal at some point. Let's talk about faith. Let's talk about Jesus. And so that's why we're here, and that's what we love to do. So give us the opportunity. Let us know that you're here, and uh, I'll personally reach out to you this week. And today is special, right? It is special Sunday. It is Easter Sunday. And so we start off like the global church and say, He is risen. And I look at the chat here pretending and see all the He's risen indeed replies. Like, He is risen. That's what we're here for today. Every Sunday, but especially today, to like thank Him, say that He's risen, that Jesus is Lord, that He is the King of Kings, that He died, but He rose again. Like the, the Father raised Him up from the dead with the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that's alive in us. Like His story keeps on going. We're waiting for the conclusion of His story to come, not the conclusion, but the next phase. Like He is risen. Happy Easter. For you, if you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian, like we're here today and every Sunday, but especially today to say that Jesus rose from the dead to never die again. Like praise Him. All glory and honor be given to Jesus. Today we join the global church and we just profess that He died to never die again and that He's our Lord, that all of this is for Him. Like, this isn't our passage for today, but I, f I felt really directed to read this today. Colossians 1, 15 to 20. Like, I, I say this often. I, I reference it often here at City Life. But, like, I, I felt like I needed to write it because so much of the Easter message is in these verses. We're not going to break it down, but the, like, this is the, words, the, words, uh, the Lord's word for you. He says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn of the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Like, oh, like these are messages right there. Firstborn of the risen, firstborn of the dead, like the first resurrected being to never die again. People came back from the death around Jesus, but like they weren't resurrected because they died again. Jesus was resurrected, brought back from the death to never die again. And we'll join him in there. Like today we say Jesus is God, He is the firstborn, He is the, vis the vision, <laughs> He is visible of the invisible God. And he came to be with us. He put on humanity just like us and He was tempted in every way just like us, but He came out victorious and sinless and perfect and beautiful and loving. And that He like died. He loved us to the point of dying. But even the grave couldn't hold him down. Like even the grave couldn't stop him from being the king of kings, the firstborn of the dead. And we offer him everything. 
Like we praise him with everything that we have on this day, especially. And so this is what Jesus, like Easter means. We celebrate the fact that he is risen. The grave could not hold him down. And we expectantly wait for his return. But, okay, there's the Easter message. We're done for today. I think I did that in less than about four minutes. Yeah, about four minutes. And so we can enjoy the rest of our day. But, like, no. I feel called to talk to us about Easter in a different way this year. I I really feel like we need to go through the Easter message in a different way. Like, normally, there's a lot of reasons for this, but normally uh, Easter Sunday is like all happiness and all joy and all like expressing joy and happiness to the whole world, which is true. We should do that on this day more than any other day or like any other day. Like, Easter is happiness. But because we've preached actually a lot about the resurrection and what's to come after the resurrection in the last couple of weeks, the last three weeks of our sermon series was like on the resurrection of Jesus and what he did and his Passover meal and how incredible he is. Today I feel called to bring us to that same message but in a different way, through a different road. Today like I'm here to talk about how like we find the Easter promises even in suffering. That Easter Sunday wouldn't be possible without the suffering that came before it. And I know that like Easter is supposed to only be happy normally, but like we have to go through the suffering to get to the Easter. We have to get through Good Friday to get to Easter Sunday. And so like uh, our aim is to do all of that in the next 30 minutes. And I, I want to start off, this is also isn't our passage for today, but it brings us to our passage for today. In Mark chapter 15, verses 33 and 34, like Jesus on the cross, dying naked on a tree, he cries this out. Mark chapter 15 tells us this, L-O-Y, L-O-Y, Lema Shachpachtanai, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The creator of all things, our Lord, our maker. The one who loved perfectly, spotless and sinless, dying a criminal's death, cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the worst moment in all of history, right, when our Maker, our Creator, the perfect loving Savior is being killed, cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father, where are you? Father, where'd you go? Father, you left me. And for the first time in Jesus' ex- existence, right? Eternal King, eternal God, hovering before the foundation, before anything was made in the void in the darkness, with God, with the Father, the Holy Spirit, hovering there always, and for the first time ever, and for the last time, like he could not find his Father. And so the question for us today is like, why? Why? Why is this the Easter message? Why did this like bring forth the Easter promise? What in this, Father, Father, where are you? My Father, where are you? My God, where are you? Like, how do we get to Easter promise through what Jesus is saying here? And so we're going to pray. We're going to pray in front of the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to read exactly where we're, caught, like, where we're supposed to be reading from today, Psalm 22. So join me as we pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. Like, Lord, happy Easter to you. This is your day. This is the day where we celebrate the fact that you are risen, 
that death couldn't hold you down, that nothing could keep their hands on you for too long, Lord. That even in the midst of our suffering, in like all of the deep, deep sufferings of life, that Easter promise says that it's not going to end that way. Lord, that you're not far from us. That you did forsake Jesus for this moment so that no one else would have to suffer that feeling. And so, Lord, I thank you. Holy Spirit, I invite you into the preaching of your word, the hearing of your word, and then like what we do with your word. Lord, I believe you can change our hearts and our lives, even just from the reading of your word. And so, Lord, I pray for that. Anoint, anoint us all to hear your word and to do something with it, to let it go deep in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we also hear the gospel message today of what you did here for us. Love you. We give you all the praise. Jesus, you're the king of all kings. And uh, we worship you this morning. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. So we're going to be reading in Psalm 22. And I pray that the reason becomes obvious very quickly, even by at the end of verse 1. This beautiful, beautiful, beautiful psalm that serves as a perfect Easter Sunday sermon. It starts this. We're going to read the first 11 verses, then we'll read more later. But it starts off Psalm 22. This is the word of the Lord. God says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? I'll read verse 1 again. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a man, a worm, and not a man, excuse me, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you in my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. There is none to help. Let's start this morning off talking about being forsaken. Psalm 22 is this incredibly beautiful psalm. It's attributed to David, and if he didn't pen it himself, it was like born out of his experiences. If you know David's story, like crazy things happened to this king who God loved so much. Like it says, David had God's very own heart, and like he was this incredible story of what it looks like to like love the Lord and to be human, imperfect and sinful. And like so David had incredible ups, incredible highs, and incredible lows. And he had like these powerful experiences, excuse me, where like he almost lost it all many times. He like almost lost it all. His enemies would surround him and like he like was close to losing everything that God had given him a couple times like in his life. Incredible story. And Psalm 22 comes out of that experience. It's like David writing for the present, like of how to go through life 
through all of life's suffering to get to joy. Like the, the thing about Psalm 22, it starts like incredible suffering. Like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You like never hear me. Where are you? You're far from me. But it like ends in incredible joy. And like here on the cross, Jesus quotes this because he knows like, go to Psalm 22 to understand what I'm doing. And he starts out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's like, usually the, I said this a couple of weeks ago, usually the aim of preaching is to make God's word attainable and, and relatable and understandable. But like, I think about Jesus on the cross and like, I, I feel driven to talk about how like that is a completely unrelatable scenario. That like one of the things that we talk about, like Jesus came and he paid the price and he did all these things that we couldn't do. And then like he died this death that he didn't deserve to die. But then there's like this spiritual reality, right? Jesus' sacrifice on that tree wasn't just, oh, here's the script. We got to check off these check marks. Okay, make sure Jesus pours his blood out. Make sure he dies. Like there's always like so much more happening as well. There's like this whole spiritual side of what Jesus was doing. And on that cross, like a really big spiritual act was happening that like Jesus was actually being forsaken by his father. And so if like, if Jesus is God and he's like always existed and has been with the father and the Holy Spirit since before anything was made, like we talked about already in Genesis one, like before anything exists, he was there and he's never been without the father. And they, they get to, they hatch up this plan, right? Ephesians tells us before the foundations of the earth were set, this plan was put in motion to have us because he loved us. And they get to the tree, they get to his death, and Jesus looks around and for the first time ever, he has the worst punishment that is, could ever exist. He can't find the Father. He has been forsaken. He's become the curse on that tree, like scripture says, that God like, turns his back on him for the first time ever. And he can't see his Father. If you read through John, like John has so many verses where Jesus is like, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear him saying. I only do what he tells me to do. And like for the first time, he like can't see him. And it's because Jesus wasn't just dying for us with his body, but like he was paying the price for our souls and our spirits. He's becoming the curse that we all deserve. And he especially was taking on God's wrath. I want to like speak about his wrath for just a moment. Like we picture wrath and I think most of what we think about is like violence and action and like ferocity. But God's wrath is also what we see happening here. It's the removal of his presence. Like if God is holy and good and the author of everything that is pure and just, like the worst thing that he could do is remove his presence from us. And so, like I say, this is like unrelatable because even in life's messiness and the ugliness and our brokenness, like in all the things that we know happen on this planet, like God's presence is still here. His kingdom is still here, but not in its fullness. We've never known a moment where God's presence was entirely away from us. Like, but Jesus went through that so that we never have to go through that. Like if God could do that for one man, then he could spare all men from that happening. Like, so that he could offer up his kingdom for everyone since he did that for Jesus. Since Jesus paid that price. Since Jesus hung on a tree naked and was removed from his father. Like, 
Let's just sit in that for a moment. Let's like just sit in what Jesus actually did on Easter. Well, not on Easter, on Good Friday. He hung in that tree and the Father turned his back on him. And like all of heaven, just imagine the scene of the sadness. Imagine how much more profound what Jesus did on that tree like eternally is. And Jesus, perfect, spotless, sinless, God, man, experience the punishment that we rightfully deserved as sinful people who break his covenant, who run away from him, who hide from him and do what we want all the time. Uh, John Piper uh, says that uh, this is the worst moment in history. But because like Jesus is so perfect and beautiful in the worst moment in all of history, life comes out, even in that moment. Because he's God and he's perfect and he's like so lovely and beautiful, even with the Father's removal, like life comes out in the darkest moment of all time. John Piper says this, the worst moment in human history was filled with scripture. Like just think about that for a second. Like the worst moment in human history where God removed his presence completely from one person. And what came out was scripture out of, his, out of Jesus' mouth. And that's beautiful. He filled that darkness with scripture. Jesus quotes Psalm 22 to bring us to Psalm 22. For like all over the world, for all of the rest of time to know like what we do in real suffering. Like how we cope with struggle, like real struggle. We don't just excuse it away. That's oh, going to get better or like disguise it with Christian phrases. Like no, like when we know none of that works, what do we do? A, a group that I like, um, they, it's called the Spoken Gospel. They say we shouldn't use religious words when brutal ones are more true. Jesus cries out, like, why have you forsaken me? He knew, he knew the plan, but it was like unbearable in that moment away from the Lord. And so I want to offer up the first part of what we're doing today and talking about suffering to get to Easter. Like, uh, Jesus does two things perfectly and beautifully here. In Psalm 22, inspiring David to write these two things. The first one is in suffering. We can remember that God has been faithful to all past generations. Let me read verses 1 to 5 real quick. It says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned in the praises, on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted they trusted you and you delivered them. To you they cried and you rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. The first thing that we learn in Jesus' suffering, the first thing that is modeled in 22 is like when we can't see God's plan and when we like feel that he's far away, when we feel that he's distant, like we remind ourselves like God, you are still enthroned on our praises. Like, God, you are real and you are still my king. My fathers and my mothers, they trusted you and you saw them through. 
like generation after generation of the church and even before the age of the church, like everyone who has ever trusted in you, you saw them through. And they cried out to you and you did not put them to shame. And if you did this for them, if you've done it for all of these people throughout all of history, why would you stop now? When it makes no sense and you don't know what God is actually doing, like remind yourself that he's taking care of like, everyone who has called on his name up until now. So hold on. Keep going. The second thing we see modeled here in Jesus crying this out on the cross is that in suffering, remember that God has been with you since before the womb. Like, I love how he goes here, verse 6 to 11. Like, he starts praising him. He's like, I- I'm a worm. I'm not even a man. I'm scorned and like all mankind despise me. They mock me. They make fun of me. They say like they- he'll let God deliver him. And then verse 9 comes along. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. Like, oh, that's like a beautiful, like, Lord, like since the womb, like I've been in your hands. My whole life I've been in your hands. You taught me to trust you on my, like, mother's breast, like when I was defenseless and a baby and unaware of everything, you taught me trust. Since, my, since the womb, you have been my God. And so like, don't be far from me. Like beautiful, beautiful, beautiful words of what to do during suffering. Before Easter Monday, before Easter Sunday comes, like, like be real with your God. Like, God, why are you so far from me? And like, not far. You've been with me this whole time. So the second part like that I want to bring to you, like we need to get to the joy because this is Easter Sunday. Like he is risen. He is like, undefeated. Uh, the second thing is suffering unexpectedly turns to praise. Psalm 22 continues and we're not going to read all of it. But the thing that's so interesting about Psalm 22 is that out of nowhere, there's this unexpected twist. Like he's like real honest. David is real honest with his sufferings. Like, Lord, where are you? You are like nowhere near me. But then he starts remembering and remind, like, okay, like, but he's been with his people of all generations. Okay, like, but you like were with my fathers. Like you kept them and they were never put to shame. And you know what? Like you've been with me my whole life. And like the interesting thing about Psalm 22 is that the circumstances, none of the circumstances change. Everything's exactly the same, but like David changes. David changes and Psalm 22 takes on this different life from here on out. And he's like, wow, like Lord, actually, like even over my circumstances, like I have joy because I have you. Like, let's read a, a bit more. Uh, there's a, a couple passages we're not going to read here in between, but starting in verse 24, he says, For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, 
and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generations. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. Where in the world did that come from? How is this the same psalm? How does Psalm 22 start off like so real and honest and raw, and then it just turns unexpectedly into like praise and worship and joy? When nothing changes around us, like <laughs> David says, like, actually, like, you're not far. You don't turn from the affliction of the afflicted. Right? And the, the ends of the earth shall know of what you've done. And it's like more than once, he's like, everyone will come to know what you've done. And everyone will worship you at some point, right? Hopefully before it's too late. And it's like, oh, like he doesn't fail. That he isn't silent for very long. That he's going to move. And all will remember him. All future generations will hear from him. Of what he's been doing. That he's not far away. That like... Uh, that he has done it. Verse 31, incredible way to end this psalm. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. Like incredible. Like last week we talked about these prophetic instances in the Old Testament that God is like inspires people to write and it's for that moment, but it reaches into the future and brings out like what Jesus is going to do. Like, oh, like how... This is so perfect in Psalm verse 31. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. That he has done it. Like all generations will hear of what Jesus has done. And every Easter Sunday is this proclamation of what Jesus has done and that he has done it. It remains true today. For, two, for over 2,000 years, the church has like celebrated Easter Sunday. Celebrated that he is risen, that he died, and like he sacrificed, and he like experienced God's wrath for our sake, for our benefit, so that none of us, so that he could bear what none of us could. So like like all God's wrath will be poured on him, so that all we have is repentance and forgiveness. Like beautiful. 2,000 years, rivals of this story and of this claim have come up, and they've been forgotten in history. No one has ever overtaken the gospel. None of Jesus' opponents have ever won. Like, like, incredible, beautiful. And today, like, we stand up and we say the same thing this Easter Sunday, that he has done it. And unexpectedly in this psalm, suffering turns into joy because that's what Easter is. He's done it. That's who he is. And so, like, let's just present, like, I feel this call to present Easter's promise really quickly. Verse 31, again, he has done it. That's what he's done. This uh, is a special kind of verse. It's called a prefiguration. It's this, like, prophetic God reaching into the future and bringing it into the, into the present. So, like, this text, this Psalm 22 is this prefiguration of Christ and his suffering. So there are parts in, parts in here that we didn't read, but like that, like 
happen at Jesus' death. In verse 7, it says, they mock me, right? And they did that to Jesus. Verse 16, it says, they have pierced my hands and my feet. Like, that's what happened on the cross. Verse 18, it says, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that's what the Roman soldiers do with Jesus' hands. Like, this is very clearly, like, was inspired for David for his day, but it has, like, also speaks towards Easter, towards this promise. Like, all of these things fulfilled in what Jesus did on that tree, that Jesus was forsaken so that we wouldn't ever have to be. Because, like, it would, how could we survive that? But like everything was poured on on Jesus spiritually and physically and like morally and like he has total victory in every area because he has done it. And so that's what Easter is about. Like it starts off in suffering, but then it ends in joy because Jesus is raised from the dead and he'll never taste it again. And like that's what he offers. That's what he offers to everyone who hears his story, that he has done it. And so Jesus paid the price that none of us could ever pay. He paid it. It's already done. He's done it. He even echoes that on the cross. It is finished. And then he like lifts up his soul. And now Jesus sits on the throne. And we expectantly wait for his return. Because he's done it. And so to conclude, like I, I want to speak really directly. And first I want to speak to anyone listening who's a Christian. Like if you know Jesus' story and you've said yes but you like know it's hard to follow through. You know that like a life's up and downs like make it really difficult sometimes. God is so far away, and all we can say is, God, why have you forsaken me? Where in the world are you? Don't let go. God is not far. Easter promises that God's Spirit lives in you. Once you hear Jesus and repent and ask Him to be your Lord, like the Spirit lives in you and you become part of His temple. And so the Easter promise to you is like, hold on, don't let go. Keep going after him. Keep finding him in difficult places. He's there. Like, go after it. Don't let go. And then for anyone who's listening to this and you're not a Christian, you haven't given Jesus your life, you forget about formulas or like the right things to say. Like you just know Jesus, like you're exploring and you haven't given Jesus your life and your heart. Let me just say, like, let me lay out the gospel message really clear. That in the beginning, God's, the way tell, God tells his story is that the first man and the first woman sinned, and we were all born into that sin. And we all fall short of God's glory. We all are not perfect, and we all have, like, is, we're broken. We're incomplete. And God wasn't okay with that. And so he, throughout history, has like prepared the world to receive Jesus. And then Jesus came and he lived this perfect life, this life that was incredibly beautiful and also spiritually powerful. And like he wasn't, he said all the right things, he did all the right things, but then spiritually he accomplished everything, showing that he was like greater than, than everything that's like natural, everything that's spiritual, every, everything. And he loved us to the point of allowing himself to be killed. The creator of everything let his creation kill him. And three days after the grave, three days after the grave, he's raised from the dead. He's vindicated. He's exalted. God puts him every, the name above every name so that the way to God is through his name, through Jesus. 
through hearing his story and then saying yes and repenting and saying like, Lord, I know like, I'm not perfect, but you died for that and I accept it. You paid the price for me. You took on God's wrath for me. You bore it all. You became a curse on that tree so that I never have to be forsaken. And that's the Easter message. That Jesus loves you to the point where he gave it all up to you and then God raised him from the dead to like prove and vindicate that he was the Lord, the Messiah, the Christ. That his death was enough. It is done. He has done it. And so all we have to do now is hear his story and weigh it. And if you believe in it, repent and you find forgiveness. That's, like, that's why Jesus came and died for us. And so I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us on this Easter to like say yes to this story, even if we're already believers, like to dive in deeper. Say like, Lord, I believe in this. You are incredible. You died for my sins. And you took on the wrath that it was meant for me. I thank you for doing that. Thank you for setting up your story so perfectly for me to know all of this. Thank you for quoting Psalm 22. Like, I know what to do in suffering now. And I know that joy comes, just like from Good Friday to Easter Sunday. And so let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for what Easter means. I thank you that we have life promised to us, even after death. That if like you could rip Jesus out from the grave, you will do that to us the same, because you promised that. That we will be like your resurrected humanity. And so, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you bore it all for us on the cross, that you did, it, you like did all the actions, but you did everything spiritually to give all of it power and meaning. Thank you for bearing all of like, the Father's wrath so that none would be left over for us. Like, oh Lord, you're incredible. And so, Jesus, you are risen. You're the King of kings. You are our Lord. Help us to know that, to tell the world about what you've done. So, Lord, I thank you. I pray all this thing in Jesus' name. Amen. But one thing about Psalm 22 that's incredible, like I almost said Paul. David starts in this despair and he ends with this certainty that all, like, all people will know and hear it. And so, like, oh, let's do that. Let's continue to share it. So, church, we love you. Happy Easter. He is risen. He risen for you because he loves you. So we'll be here next week. We have MCs this week. Um, we'll remain connected. Reach out to us. Let us know that you're here. Email me directly at preese at citylifeNJ with questions or to connect. And uh, yeah, we love you. We're here to serve. We're here to get to know one another. We're here to walk through life together. And so let's do that. Love you all. And we'll see each other soon. Happy Easter.